Raw Impact Radio. I am Sir Blackston. He is the Mast Hope. What are you saying? I don't have my championship. Is that what you're saying? Wait, 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 listen. You won't have it for Semantics. Long, it's okay. Semantics. Like, why even, why even discuss it? You know why? We don't need a championship, Hope. Because today we have the man. Ricardo Rodriguez is in the building. Three Legacies Wrestling's owner, booker, all that. One of the greatest ring announcers of all time. Right. And the, the personal ring announcer of Alberto Del Rio. Is that it? Roberto Del Rio. It would almost be insulting for me to do it. I'm nowhere near his, his vocal skills, right. his oratory I, I abilities. Feel, I feel bad that I did it myself. <laughs> We're going to talk to uh, Ricardo Rodriguez. Got an awesome interview planned. Talk to him about Three Legacies Wrestling, his wrestling journey, and where he'd like to see things go. Also find out who he likes, you know, watching nowadays. So uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. It's Christmas. This is a Christmas episode, right? No, it's not. It's the day after Christmas. Close enough. Ignore what I said. We'll be back after this. Have feedback on the show? Email us at rawimpactradio at gmail.com. Raw Impact Radio with Sir Blackston and the Masked Hope. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Alberto Del Rio's personal ring announcer, Ricardo Rodriguez. Raw Impact Radio, I am Sir Blackston. He is the Masked Hope, and this week we have a very, very special guest in the building, Ricardo Rodriguez. Sir, hello, hello, hello. Well, technically not your building, but a, a building. Yeah, a building. No. He's he's in a building. A building. So we're working with technicalities. Fire. Yo. It's definitely four walls. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, man. I know it's close to the holidays. Well, this will actually drop on Christmas. I know it's close to the holidays right now, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. No, of course. I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me on and uh, for having my some of my kids on there. Oh, absolutely. All support, man. All support. I appreciate that. And bro, they all they all talk so positively about their experience at 3LW. Like the the uh, you know we know we know you from WWE, but I mean a lot of our listeners rather know you from WWE. But you have your own promotion, Three Legacies Wrestling. Um, your students they have like nothing but great things to say about you and the environment there and the and the coaching is. I think that it's really a testament to what you're doing right now. No, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I spent I spent multiple years in WWE under the name of Ricardo Rodriguez, got to ring announce for Alberto Rio. Uh, I, yeah, I got to travel. I got to do a lot of awesome, pretty cool things, a couple of WrestleManias, Royal Rumbles, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, so I, I've been grateful to have had a pretty cool uh, wrestling career so far, um, not just there, but on the independent scene as well, before WWE and then after WWE, uh, being able to travel to different countries and then teach people uh, wrestling and then pass down the knowledge. And then now to establish myself here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, to open up my own promotion and my own school uh, has been a blessing. Mm. So it's definitely been, you know, something amazing that we've been able to build. And uh, I mean, I you guys were there for for one of them. Mask Hope is there quite frequently. So it's it's fun, man. It's been it's been a blessing. Oh, as far as free legacies go, I just wonder how how did it form? Like, what got you to the idea? Like, you know, I need to start my own promotion. Uh, so I, I've been, <clears throat> since I left WWE, even before WWE, I was helping run schools. Um, I actually ran one in, in Chatsworth, Pennsylvania, oh, Ch- Pennsylvania, Chatsworth, California, before I got signed. And uh, I was helping run that, just a training, though. 
Uh, I was helping run training over at Knox Pro as well uh, in Burbank, California for a little bit um, before I got signed. And in WWE, what I was doing was they would use me a lot before Raw and SmackDown to, to work with the newer guys or people that they, that they wanted some extra ring time with. So I was one of the guys that they would use to, to help them out in the ring. So I got to learn directly from, you know, I'm going to be dropping a whole lot of things here. Um, you know, William Regal, Scar, uh, Scar Armstrong, Pitt Finley, Malenko, Arn Anderson, um, you know, Jamie Noble. So I got to learn from them directly. Uh, so it was, it was awesome. And then when I left WWE, I was, I was helping run a school down in Orlando called Pro Wrestling 2.0. Uh, which was owned by Alex Porto, and I was running it, and it was we built something pretty cool there. Uh, eventually, I left, uh, and then went to Texas. I was helping run Hybrid uh, School of Wrestling in San Antonio with Christopher uh, Chris Marvel, and he's done an amazing stuff. He's done amazing things with that place after I left too, which I was super happy with. Um, I ended up going to India. I opened up a school in India. Um, under the great Kali. So I was there for, for six months and then we were training six days a week for six months straight. Um, some of those guys actually got signed to WWE um, nice. after, after I left. And then uh, I've I had awesome coaches that went after I left. So they helped keep it going. Um, that one I'm super proud of because the, for a lot of reasons. I'm very adamant about posting stuff on social media about what we were doing and such. And I think enough, I, we did enough of that that it got traction. And WWE and and yeah, WWE had not been to India in about uh, fourteen years, but because of everything that they saw that we were doing, and how much I mean, India is a massive market. Um, so WWE ended up going to to Delhi uh, after fourteen years, and I got to be a part of that. Um, and nice. yeah, but then WWE Impact went after that too. Um, so that was kind of cool, and we built an independent scene in India. Um, so that I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of that. Cause that's something nobody could ever take away from me. Um, and that's one of those where uh, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to struggle on Eagle on that one. Cause I was like, I built that. So, uh, yeah. and I'm very thankful for everybody that went after, after I, I left. Um, cause they were a big part of that too, to keep it going. Uh, I got a chance to, to do some similar in England in Australia. I got some to, I got to do, uh, Egypt. I lived in Cairo, Egypt for almost a year, trying to build something as well too. And then when I ended up here in, in Lancaster, we decided, I was like, man, you know, I've been able to do all of this for so long. Why not just build something of my own? And then we decided to build three legacy wrestling. Oh. Long story short, that's pretty much where it went. <laughs> nice. But, um, how does it feel uh, knowing that you started this company and since you started it, you've been selling out basically every show so much so that now you have to move to a bigger arena, which is no small feat on the, in the Indies because like, you know, the, people take it for granted to have a large crowd on the, in an independent promotion. I mean, you're starting from scratch and you've got like this huge, huge following right now. Yeah. It's, it's been a blessing, honestly, man. And it's, it's not a single person. It's a whole team effort. And I can't stress that enough. If anybody ever says that they did it by themselves, it's BS. Um, it's, it takes a team. None of this is done by by, by oneself. Um, I'm very happy of the team that I have. You know, obviously my business partner, Christopher Dreisbach, uh, Bobby Guiné, uh, Ronnie Ramon, Andy Shankman, Harley, uh, Keith Bauer. Um, it's a whole team effort that makes this happen. 
So it's not just an individual uh, person. Um, but I think getting with having a close circle that have a similar goal and a similar dream is very crucial because then you all see and everybody has a different role within us, right? Um, it's so long as everybody knows their role and their assignment, we can all move forward. But it's been it's been a blessing, man. And don't get me wrong, listen, it didn't start that way. We our first event we had about 150. Uh, our second one was just a little less um, because it was snowing. And then January came around and it was just bam, 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 and it was just it's been nonstop. Um, but it has a lot to do with uh, it's a hustle. It's all a hustle, right? And then you got to push, 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 push. And then we're we're gonna make a lot of mistakes. But I've made a lot of mistakes already. But, I mean, it's a matter of learning from it and not putting myself down because of it and not letting it get to me. Taking that pause and like, all right, that didn't work out, so how do we fix that? Um, and this goes for a lot of things, too, not just the business side of the Brussels, the training. All right, so we messed up. All right, it happens. What do we do with it? Either we dole on it or we fix it and then learn from it and move forward. So that's pretty much what this whole process has been. We've made mistakes already, and we just learn from it. Um but it's been it's been awesome, dude. I mean, that's how you grow. And, that, you know, that is one of the things that, you know, the students that we've had on pointed out is that, yeah, you know, things aren't perfect all the time. You know, we do mess up. They don't dwell on your mistakes. They teach you how to learn from them and move forward. So it's good to know that right. they're applying in their schooling what you've applied, you know, in your business option. Yeah, of course. And I mean, it's not I mean, we're not shooting for perfection. We're shooting for progression. Right. So long as we progress each time, if I aim for perfection off the off the bat, I'm already set, setting myself up for failure. Uh, so it's a matter of progressing each each day, even if it's a little bit, so long as we're moving forward and not backwards. Now, um, you said that you had a few a few students that signed uh, with WWE. Like, who are some of the, as an instructor, I know that you're proud of, like, all of your students, but who are some standouts that are, like, you know, that you, like, Well, the ones, from, the ones from India, uh, the two that got signed from India was, and he was on SmackDown. Um, Shanky was one of them. And uh, I forgot what his name in WWE was. Um, Guru Raja, the Guru something, it was an NXT. Um, I forgot what his name was on, on NXT. Um, but those were those were like two of specific in mind. And then we had one that was from San Antonio. And then she was there. She started when, um, just as I was about to leave San Antonio. Uh, so she just got signed, uh, at least what the rumors are. Uh, nice. By the time that this comes out, it'll, I think it's already announced. Uh, so Maddie, Maddie right, right, I'm, I'm super proud of her. She's been killing it on independence scene on, on AW, uh, 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 NWA. So she got picked up. Um, there's a lot of folks out there that I got to spend a lot of time with um, that are not doing awesome things. Selena de la Renta is one of them that was an MLW. She was one of my kids between myself and Lindsay Dorado. We were training them. Um, uh, Kai is one I'm super proud of because she's wow. killing it. I was her first trainer. Uh, Robert Martyr, I was one of I was his trainer. Um, there's a lot of folks that I had uh, a hand in 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 being a part of the journey, and I'm super proud of what they're doing. Now, granted, and, and then we kind of take it into a lot of probability, like not everybody <laughs> at that point. Uh, but obviously, we want everybody to at least have a a, a chance. Um, but that's to, to name a few. There's a whole long list of people that I got. I had a chance to be a part of their their journey on a on a major way. Uh, and then now, obviously, right now, I mean, uh, the, the guys that we have now here at Dulex, you know, Zoe Ken and Just Jay, Al Snug, 
Clayton Adams, um, just to name a few. And there's a couple other that are like, they're picking it up quick. Um, so it's just a matter of time before they get out there. And thankfully, we have a platform that we're able to showcase them. Yeah, just watching these guys, uh, just being in there watching these guys, I'm just uh, blown away from when I first uh, stepped in there with you guys, watching you guys train to seeing them in the ring actually doing this. It's it's wild to me. Uh, I'm, I'm so proud of them every time I see them in the ring. And it's a process. No, you're wrong. Listen, this, is, this isn't easy, right? So uh, this is not easy for, for anybody, uh, either a student or on the promoting side. Um, it takes time and it's a process. I can't stress that enough. It's a process. Uh, shoot for progression, not perfection. Not yet. Uh, it'll get there. Um, and they're, they're, they're headaches. They are a huge, massive headaches so many times. But that's also what we signed up for. Um, and it's just a matter of pushing them forward. And then they can get mad all they want. And that's totally fine. My goal is to push them and to make sure that they get to a certain point to the best of their abilities. Um, and that's my job as the coach, um, but they'll get there. Yeah. Do you have any advice for any wrestlers up and coming that are looking to get into wrestling training and where, where they need to start? Well, I mean, this is, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is the, the overall answer that a lot of folks will always give is look for a reputable school. Um, I'll relay it to business uh, on the business aspect, for at least for me, right? Cause I had to learn a lot. Um, the, all I know is that I don't know anything. And then the moment that I, re I think that I know it all, I realize that I didn't know anything ever. Um, so look for a reputable school, look for people that have been to where you want to go, uh, see their, see their journey. Don't try and compare yourself to them because you'll never run parallel to them. Um, you can kind of take an idea of where or how they got there. And then use it as a model, sure, but don't try, don't ever try to compare yourself to other people because uh, you're always setting yourself up failure. Mm -hmm. uh, use them as a comparison. So maybe in a way of, of get an idea, but don't try and model yourself directly as them. Um, networking. Uh, networking is crucial. The one thing that I wish I was, I would have been taught when I was younger was to network um, because I would just go wrestle somewhere and then leave. I wouldn't stay afterwards. I wouldn't chat with anybody. I would just go show up, do my part, and then leave. And I wish I would have stuck around and either helped out more or just gone to events without, you know, even though I wasn't booked on it, I wanted to keep going. I should have kept going to the places I wanted to be at. Um, and then, you know, hopefully one day I'll get an opportunity. There's been folks over here at Three Legacies that just showed up and then somebody didn't show. Uh, I put them on and then they've been with me since. Hmm. Um, uh, there's been people that just consistently, right. I'll, I'll bump into them somewhere and then they always make the time to chat. And then that way I can get an idea of them. I can get a vibe. I'm a total hippie, by the way. I'm a yeah. huge hippie. hippie. <laughs> nice. Um, so I love vibes and I love matching energies. And, um, even if it's not like on, on a wrestling aspect, just, but on a personal level, I can get an idea of what you are. So even if maybe say, we vibe well, we mesh well, but like maybe your wrestling is not quite there. Um, I'll be, I think people will be more inclined to be willing to help you um, if you're able to match energies. Um, so yeah, just network. Network is crucial. Uh, help out wherever you can. Um, I, I, I would volunteer. I used to volunteer to go be like the, the, the airport runner uh, if they needed anybody, because that's the only time that I really. And we'll get to this part too. 
Um, and I mentioned it to a lot of guys here is that when I was coming up, seminars were not a thing. They're not really a thing. So our seminars were the car rides. Our seminars were um, going to pick up the, the the name from the airport, taking him to go eat, um, driving him to the next town. Um, those were our seminars. And then when I was in WWE, I was so lucky. I got to ride with some amazing minds that every now and then they would just spill a whole lot of knowledge. And I was like, what the hell, man? I never saw, I never understood certain things until it was explained in, in his words. Um, so ask questions. I'm going all over the place. I know I'm going all over the place. But this yeah, is great. Questions. This is great. Uh, don't, don't feel, don't feel like you're asking stupid questions. Uh, but also understand that everything is about the approach. So if you go in demanding stuff, you're going to be probably met with resistance. Um, but then we go back into whole vibes and energies. If you go in and then wanting to learn, um, people are going to be more inclined to explain things or to talk to you or to share whatever they know. Um, yeah. Network. Find reputable schools. Get your reps. Um, uh, I, I understand, too, that this is a very different time frame where – you know, we're, we're more open about like the mental health. Um, but there has to be a certain point where we have to understand that this is going to take a huge toll on you, not just physically, but mentally. You have to go into that with that preparation or at least an idea that it's going to test you. And and the hardest thing, you, well, the hardest thing to, well, not the hardest thing, but like, don't take it out on yourself. Be critical, sure. Be, you know, hey, be analytical of what's happening, but don't take it out on yourself. Um yeah, that's man. That is a uh, that's great advice. The 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 seminar piece and like being able to, uh, you know, if you're if you're the runner, you know what I mean. This is an opportunity for you to literally sit under the learning tree at with someone who could be at the top of your industry. I can't think of very many industries where you would get like un like uninterrupted time. You know, sometimes hours at a time with someone who's at the top of your industry, and you know, you get the one on one conversation. I think that's an awesome awesome opportunity. Absolutely. Speaking of getting your journey started, like what what got you uh, started in WWE? How did you get to the point where you are about to get signed? So I, I mean, I'm from California. That's where I'm from. Uh, my, I did, I, I learned lucha libre, Mexican lucha libre first before I switched over to the American side. Um, when I did, um, I I got booked for this company called Empire Wrestling Federation (EWF). And uh, this this one, I think, was in Monte, California, and the promoter was this guy named Jesse Hernandez. After the after the match that I had uh, was this guy named Brandon Parker was his name. Um, Jesse comes up to me in the locker room. And he's like, "Hey, WWE's coming to town in like two months. Um, they're looking for luchadors. Um, would you be interested in getting a tryout?" Uh, and mind you, this is the first time I had ever ever met Jesse. Uh, so he didn't owe me anything. Mm. So I was like, yeah, sure, of course. Um, so, uh, I, I signed up for it. I did the tryout. I got, I got signed, um, pretty much on the spot. Wow. And it just went from there. Uh, I went to the Staples Center, which I don't know what it's called now. Um, the Staples Center in LA, we got there, I don't know, like nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. And we just did, uh, we did drills for like two, three hours. Um, we did a little tournament style uh, matches and it wasn't who won the matches, who they liked the best. And then at the end, it was myself and this one guy named Mercurio Jr. 
so that was the, the end of the t- tournament deal, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I get I get asked, uh, I get pulled aside afterwards, and then the guy who was the, the town scout guy, the whatever, his name was Ty Bailey. And then he goes up to me, he's like, hey, uh, are you under contract with anybody? I was like, no. He's like, are you married? Do you have kids? I was like, I don't have kids that I know of. Uh, <laughs> and um, he's like, if given the opportunity, would you be willing to relocate to Florida? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like, all right, just, you know, just, just wondering. And I've been around wrestling long enough at this point where people promise you the world that nothing ever happens. Um, so I, I was just like, all right, cool, whatever. So that we get to catering and we were only scheduled for that tryout. So we were, I wasn't scheduled for like SmackDown or anything. I was just scheduled for the tryout, but we stuck around, uh, cause free food. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I, I got asked if I wanted to do the re announcing deal for something that they had going on on SmackDown. And, uh, I was like, yeah, of course. I've never done reannouncing at this point. Right? <laughs> they had asked me if I if I had done it before, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, of course," which I didn't. I had never done reannouncing. So then I get I go to SmackDown the next day, um, and that was it. It just went from there. Then you jump right into the character from there. Yep. That and and it, it didn't it didn't start off that way because I I uh, and I know I've mentioned this in podcasts in the past. Um, when I was told about a re-announcing deal, I figured Tony Chimmel, you know, our uh, Finkel, very proper. Um, but I do remember specifically when Vince goes, he, he's like, no, 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 be more animated, be more Hispanic. Yeah. Um, whatever that meant. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, right. and then, I mean, I, I know what that meant. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Be more animated, you know. Um, and I just remember the 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 announcers from AAA uh, in Mexico how they were so, you know, lively and ah, da, 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 da. so it took me a while to get to that point because I don't, I've never done it before. Uh, I just lied to them and I told them that I could do it. <laughs> uh, so I just BS my way into it. But I was like, all right, well, we're here. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> and it just went from there. And then what was cool about it was the very first day uh, in Bakersfield, California, Tony Chimmel comes up to me and he's like, hey, kid, what's your name? So I told him my real name, Jesus Rodriguez. So because that even never gave me a name. So the very first SmackDown, I and I'm pretty sure still there on the network or something, unless it changed it. Um, Tony Chimbo announces me uh, as Alberto Rios personal re-announcer Jesus Rodriguez. Um, so then when we get to the back, uh, I think it was Malenko or or Jamie Noble. He goes like, "Hey, who?" G-? And it was Malenko because Malenko, yeah, it was Malenko. He's like, "Hey, who gave you that name?" I was like. What do you mean? He's like, the name that Chimo announced to you as. I was like, well, that's my name. He's like, no, we have to change that. <laughs> so then um, I don't know whose idea it was to put Ricardo. I know why. Because they, they said that I look like Ricky Ricardo. Wow. <laughs> so so I don't know where we came up with that, but that's where it came from. And that's how it stuck. And then I got put on the road right away. That's right. Nice. So at this point, like, the majority of your of your experience was in the ring. So tell me about the transition of being like basically an in ring performer to now like you're 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 an announcer. You're not necessarily in the ring all the time, but now this is a different this is a different world for you. Uh, it was a big clash of the egos, uh, and I didn't understand it until much later. Uh, there's a lot of lessons that I learned in the afterthought and the um, after it happened, uh, after the fact. So when when I was given that role in my head. I was like, all right, cool. This is a cooler transition. Eventually I'll be a wrestler. 
Um, but uh, yeah, because I would I would do this ring announcing thing, and I wasn't I wasn't wrestling anymore. I was on the road. I wasn't training anymore. I was I was just there. I was a lackey. Nobody knew. There was only a few that were actually at the tryout that I knew that I wrestled. Which you know, Tyson Kidd was on my tryout. Um, uh, uh, Matt Seidel and Jamie Noble. Those were the three guys that were running the tryout. So only those three knew that I wrestled. Um, so yeah, so I just kind of I, I didn't know any better. So when we would get to the arena, I would just go check in. I would just stand by the ring and just wait to be told what to do. Um, I didn't know Alberto. I didn't know Chavo, who later became you know my circle. Um, I didn't know them, so I would just go and I would just stand there. Nobody knew anything about me. They just thought I was just some dorky ring announcer. Yeah. Um, so it sucked, man. It sucked because I had this constant battle with my ego that I wanted to wrestle. But as a wise man once said, shut your mouth and know your role. Hey. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to understand what my assignment was. Um, and then I remember eventually once I got the groove of what the Ricardo character was, um, we were at training down in FCW and then uh, Ricky Steamboat was one of my coaches. Ricky Steamboat and then um, uh, Norman Smiley were my coaches um, on the days that I was down there. So we were doing something, and then Ricky just uh, used me as an example. And I think this is really when it clicked in my head of what I was doing and then to really like embrace it. I don't remember what the drill was, but he was explaining something, and then Ricky just points at me, and he's like, look at him. He's on TV for like 15 seconds, but he makes sure that those 15 seconds are his. Um, and I, and I've always carried that because I didn't realize it until he said it. Uh, and then I just learned to embrace that. Um, and I think after that happened, that's when I really started elongating the Alberto, um, and then making it more of a presentation rather than just, damas y caballeros, Alberto Rio. Um, because it wasn't until he said that that really clicked in my head that it was like, if I'm going to have only a couple seconds on TV, I want to make sure that those seconds are mine and nobody else's, right? I want all focus on me until I have to give it up. Um, so I think that's when it really, that was like, like probably like the pivotal point where I was like, cool. Uh, yeah, this is my role. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm going to be doing. This is what's making me travel. And I think Alberto, a few times I had that chat with him where I wanted to transition to, to wrestling. And then he would just call me in and say, what you? I'm not, I was about to cuss. He's like, <laughs> don't, be, don't be stupid. You're getting paid all this money to travel, not take any bumps. Uh, and, you, and you're on everything with me. Don't be stupid. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. Um, but I was, I was, they were also at this, at, towards this point, they were already using me down in NXT to help out the younger guys that were coming up. Uh, so I was, I was like, I was Kalisto's first match. I think Sami Zayn's first match. Oh, they, this was all dark, all um, dark matches uh, on NXT. I think Sami Zayn's. Um, I was a, I was a bunch of people's first matches down there, uh, just to kind of get them moving and whatever. I think Sami Zayn. I don't remember. Um, but uh, yeah, so, um, so uh, yeah, I wish I would have embraced that and then just kind of went with it and versus try to fight it. Because uh, I fought situations a lot when I probably shouldn't have, in hindsight. Uh, I didn't realize what I had going on for me. <laughs> uh, and I just threw it away because of my ego. Wow. You always, 
there are a few people that actually could make comedy gimmicks work. And you you did well with uh, making fun of Seamus and the Justin Bieber t-shirt and, and dressing up like the big show. Like, what, what do you think uh, you did different to make it work? So, uh, so I go back to the same thing of of having that battle with my ego. Once I surrendered to that whole idea of like, dude, this is my role, embrace it. Um, then I wasn't I wasn't afraid of making a fool out of myself anymore, and I was okay with it. Um, but it takes time, and that part takes time to just come to terms with what your position situation is. Um, now, this doesn't this doesn't apply to a lot of people, and I get that. That's totally fine. Um, but at that point, I had already understood what my assignment was, what my job was. Um, I'm not the, the main event. I'm the decoration. I'm not like the Christmas tree. I'm the decoration on the Christmas tree. Um, so I'm just there to accentuate. I'm not there to take away anybody's thunder or whatever. Um, so I, I think a lot of that had to do with I just embraced my role uh, and I made the most of it. Um, because I figured after a while, if they give me something small and I kill it, they're going to keep giving me something. And then I kill it, they're going to give me more, little by little. And they did. Um, they trusted me enough to work with guys that were hurt. So they wanted, they, they learned to, you know, put me in them, with them in, in like on dark matches as they were coming back. They trusted me enough to, to put over guys, which that's, I didn't, again, things I didn't realize at the time. Um, they trusted me to to do these spots that, and then I didn't really have a lot of guidance in them either. They were just like, "Hey, you're doing this," and then that's it. And then we would just do it, and then that was it. So they kind of trusted me just to kind of do it. Um, yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, and we'll be right back because I want to get into like some of like your origins in wrestling, like how you got started in the industry, and and where you'd like to see Three Legacies go. Um, so we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Sir Blackston. Oh, motherfucking Moss. The Moss Hope. I hate when they make these groups and then they lose. How are they going to get over losing? Raw Impact Radio. Raw Impact Radio. It's your mystical dragon, the Mast Hope, and your centaur, uh, Sir, Sir Blackston, and Chimera, <laughs> Ricardo Rodriguez. Jesus, oh, Ricardo Rodriguez. Close. Chimera, close. Oh. Chimera. <laughs> close. I practiced that too. Almost, dang it. <laughs> no, we are we are talking to Ricardo Rodriguez um, of Three Legacies Wrestling, and uh, and he's been telling us a lot about like his journey. But I want to talk to you about like how you got started in the industry. Um, we know how you got signed with WWE. How did you get into professional wrestling? Backyard wrestling. <laughs> really? Um, so I, I used to backyard wrestle, wrestle with a couple of buddies of mine uh, from high school. Um, and then uh, I don't know how we ended up seeing that there was, a, there was a group in the valley, in San Fernando Valley, which is where I used to live um, when I grew up there. So there was a group that had a ring. And um, so I, I, I messaged them on MySpace because MySpace was a <laughs> thing. It was thing, a thing right? back then. So, <laughs> I messaged them on MySpace, and then I went for like a quote-unquote tryout, um, and uh, it was a backyard fed, and they had this twenty by I think it was like a twenty by twenty boxing ring, um, and it was called BBW EWA at the time, uh, Beyond Backyard Wrestling Extreme Wrestling Alliance or something. Nice. So then uh, my friend and I, Kevin, uh, we joined them, and um, 
we start with that. So we learn how to, again, learn how to bump and roll and all that stuff um, from other backyarders. And at the time, this is when like uh, TNA was a thing. And then like the X Division was like hot. Uh, Jarrell Clark, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and with Joe, right? Like this is 2025. Um, so, so we would, once we started like wrestling, quote unquote, putting matches together, we would watch these X Division matches and like mimic them move for move. Um, and those were our shows. So we would do monthly shows. Um, and that was, it was fun for a while. Eventually, uh, eventually what we did was, because uh, I was, I also had gotten my degree in graphic design and animation. Um, so I was making these, what I thought were some badass, awesome flyers. And we would go to a PWG and we were flyer PWG. Wow. Uh, and and from from that, we actually had some people that would go to our events. And I mean, most of them would turn away when they realized it was a backyard show. <laughs> um, but there just happened to be this one guy who stayed and he watched what we did. He sent me, a, I, I talked to him afterwards. He came to one of our trainings, uh, quote unquote trainings, and um, uh, Joe Medina. And then he goes, uh, he said, hey, how long does it does it take for you to come up with the match? And at the time we were like, oh, it takes about a month for us to prepare a match. And he just laughs. He's like, can you do one now? And uh, I grabbed one of the guys I had wrestled a few times and we did basically a match. And he's like, oh, that's, that's not, not too bad, not too bad. Because I mean, psychology wise, right? Yes, mm-hmm. but psychology-wise, we had literally mimicked a match that we saw on TV, and we did it move for move. Um, so I, I think it was so-so, all right? Probably not the cleanest, but um, but it was structured, per se. So he goes, like, hey, well, I have this show coming up uh, in about a week or so. Do you guys want to be a part of it? And we're like, yeah, awesome, of course, yeah, yeah. So then um, he's like, all right, be at this place at this time. I was like, cool. So then, um, so we show up, my friend, uh, was it? yeah, Brandon show up and I show up and we were the ring crew. It was just us two. So we were the ring crew. Uh, so we set up the ring, um, we wrestled, we took it down and then he comes up to us afterwards. He's like, Hey, if you're really interested in doing this, uh, I have this guy, uh, who can teach you. Um, I was like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So then I got, I was introduced in Van Nuys, California. Uh, to Latigo Blanco, who became my trainer. And um, I'm forever grateful, forever grateful for, for Joe and for Latigo for, for giving me the opportunity. And they never once charged me for training. Wow. Um, but it was also in the backyard. But the exchange was, I was a ring crew. Uh, anything that they needed, I would have to go get. So it was an, ex- an exchange. Um, and like I said, it was a backyard. So and we were only training like once or twice a week. Um, and... Yeah, so it was what it was, and I was super grateful for that opportunity. Um, I did Lucha Libre for a good while um, before I learned anything on the American side. Mm. Once I got the approval from my trainer to go out uh, and then train elsewhere, I was training like four or five days a week. Um, I would go to my trainers on Mondays and Wednesdays. I would go to a different place in L.A. Uh, on Tuesdays. And on Thursdays, I would go to a gymnastics place to learn tumbling. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was wrestling. Um, so I had like no life for two years, um, but I was cool with it because I loved it and I had passion for it. Um, I, I didn't, and again, different mindsets. I grew up very differently than a lot of the folks nowadays. My parents were you know, from Mexico, from a little small farm, a little town in Mexico. So they were old school mentality of like, get up. Are you hurt? No, then get up. 
uh, what's wrong? Basically, stop being a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> get up. Uh, nobody's dying. You're fine. Get up. Um, so I always had that mentality, and I still, to the degree I still do, like, I'm fine. Like, am I sore? Sure, I'm a sore, but all right, get up. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have that, like, I'm a, and again, different times, and I get it. I get it, different times, bear in mind. We didn't have mental health days, uh, right? There was no anxiety. Uh, you got something, you deal with it. Don't run away. Well, again, understand, understand. Different mentality. I know what you right? mean. <laughs> different time frames. Different time frames. Yeah. Um, so that didn't exist. Uh, but anyway, so so yeah, so I did that for two years straight, just consistently two years straight until I started getting bigger breaks, and then I was started moving out of LA. And I started wrestling all over the place. I did Europe. Uh, I did Mexico quite a bit. Uh, I was traveling to uh, other places in the U.S. Um, so yeah, man, it was it was wild, and then I ended up joining Knox Pro, which was Rikishi School, uh, and I did that for two years. It was like two years before I got signed, so 2008, I think. Um, and then at the time, my trainer was Orlando Jordan, because Gangrel was earned a day. And that's where Miro was at. So Miro was also training with them. Miro was earned a day, and then I was at night um, with Orlando Jordan. Eventually, Orlando left, and then. Um, uh, I kind of started taking over class a little bit uh, alongside, if, for instance, like they were busy. I was the one that was kind of taking over the class. Um, so I did that for a little while. And then uh, both Miro and myself had to try at the same time, but I got my trial from Jesse and then Miro got his trial from Knox Pro directly. Um, so, but it was cool though, that we were both there. So I was awesome. I remember I told Gangrel when I got my tryout and then he gave me a whole like crash course on a lot of like lessons. He's like, don't show them that you're tired. Always, if they need people, get in there, be the first one in there. Uh, and, and he just kept saying, don't show them that you're tired because that's what they're going to do. They're going to make sure that you, they're going to tire you out. They just want to see how, how much you push yourself through. He's, and then I've always carried that lesson. And anytime people that I've, I've prepped people for like tryouts, I always tell them the same thing. Don't ever show them that you're tired um, uh, or that you're willing to give up. Never, never give them that. Um, never show them that they can break you. They, I mean, they will. They'll, they'll definitely try to. Yeah. Um, but don't show them that they can break you. Um, but yeah, so so I did that. Like I said, I, I did the independence for four years, but it was a constant. Again, I, was, I had no life. It was wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Uh, and then when I got my tryout, I, it was... Yeah, I did my tryout. I got signed on the spot, um, and then just went from there, full force. That is so funny that you say don't let them see you tired. We just had a key men on from CZW, and he said that the the whole purpose of their tryout is to see who's going to quit and who will be tired. Yeah, break, yeah. That is that yeah. is when, so cool to so see when, ends of that. When so when we were doing the tryouts like on the road. Uh, when I was in WWE, I was the one that was there with Regal. So if anybody who's seen this who was an extra during the time that I was there, they, they were always going to see me and Regal together. If Regal wasn't there, it was going to be me and Scott Armstrong or me and, and Aaron Anderson. And so I was always there uh, running the tryouts. Um, and then if they liked you, then they were sent to Florida. And that's where like the hard stuff would happen. I, I don't I don't know how it works now because obviously I haven't been there in a while. But I would imagine it's still the same thing because for a while I was also helping run uh, the ones down in, in Orlando or in Tampa at the time. I was helping run the ones in Tampa. So it was, yeah, that. They just want to see 
if they can break you and how easy you break. Because again, this whole world, man, is is very mind stressful, not just physically. The physical part you can get over with. You can get over that quick. Um, you rest for like a day or two. The mental, man, that that drains you hard. And I wish I would learn how to cope with it a little better. But um, but yeah, that's the whole purpose of the trials is just to see if you'll break. And rightfully so, because until you experience the life on the road and all that stuff, it's hard to explain to somebody who's never done it. Mm. Or for them to understand it, rather. Speaking of all the mental health stuff, you were very open about uh, your addiction and your recovery. Mm. Um, do you have any advice for anybody who's also struggling with addiction? I used to, I used to look at asking for help as a sign of weakness. Um, I do hold myself accountable for a lot of things, all right? I had to stop. I used to victimize myself. I used to play victim a lot. This is happening to me because of you. This is happening to me because of that, this, whatever. And then the moment I stopped realizing that a lot of stuff that happens to me is because of me, um, a lot of things change. Um, I, I know for me, at least, uh, a big problem was when I left the... Um, well, it started before the... Um, but I let the ego get to me, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. My ego got to me. I was this big shot. Um, I was put in positions, and I didn't know how to control my my emotions. I don't know. How, well, not my emotions, but like I didn't know how to control me. I didn't know how to control my ego. Um, so when the whole thing with WWE ended and the lights were turned off, I didn't have I didn't have that excitement, that adrenaline from the crowd anymore. I had to find something to fill that empty void with. And at the time, also, I had, like, trouble with uh, with insomnia. So I couldn't sleep. So then I'm stuck with myself. And uh, if you think that my voice is annoying, you should hear what I sound like inside my head. Because, um, geez, man, I was just by myself. I had a lot of time, and, and I was just stuck with myself. So I would go, and I would blame everybody else for what was happening. Um I went on this like super angry, bitter rant on WWE and then Triple H, uh, which I've already chatted uh, with people about um, that I wish I would have handled it a little, a little different. Um, so my my feeling the void was the drugging, the partying, the the alcohol, uh, the women. That was that was how I was fulfilling that void of just I don't have I don't have a purpose anymore. Right, mm -hmm. I'm gone from the company, uh, which. I, I still reflect on the day that I called the office and I told him that I was done. I reflect on that. Mm. Uh, I was I was wasted out of my mind. I didn't get on the plane. I woke up on a Monday. Um, then I called the office and I talked to Mark Carano. And then I was like, hey, man, just letting you know, I'm still at home. I don't plan on coming in. Wow. I just said, I just want to say thank you. Um, but I think I'm done. Because there's a whole thing that led into it. Um, but I needed to find the courage to call him and say that. So I got plastered. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. But um, I wish I would have, I would have, because people did reach out to, people try to reach out to me um, when they saw what I was going through. But I was too blind, again, because of my ego. I got this. I'm, I'm able to control this. I'm in control. Um, I don't need your help. Who are you? You don't know me. Um, you don't know what I've been through. So I was lashing out at so many people for my own stupidity. And it wasn't their fault. They were just trying to reach out and trying to be helpful. Uh, but I didn't see that at the time. And uh, and again, I was stubborn. I'm still stubborn for different reasons, but I'm still stubborn. 
Um, and I was stubborn then. Uh, I didn't need nobody's help. I could do this by myself. Uh, so, because to me, smiling and then, well, not smiling. Oh, yeah. I, I say it jokingly that smiling is a sign of weakness. Mm. Um, but there was that, there's something to that, though. Also, asking for help to me, asking for help to me was a huge sign of weakness back then. Because um, it makes me feel less of a man, right? Because uh, I have to be the one in control. Um, so I let alcohol get to me. I let the drugs get to me. I let the women get to me. Um, and that became obviously the big issue. And I didn't know how to manage it. Um, my ex-girlfriend at the time, uh, bless her, bless her. I, I, I talked to her not too long ago, um, you know, making amends because that's part of the, yeah. the recovery that's process. Um, and I, 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 yeah, I apologized and I told her I'm really sorry. Um, and when we split, I blamed it all on her. Mm. And I said a lot of things I shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, I reflect back on it. It was me. It was always gonna. It was always me. Um, but I'm grateful that I, I eventually reached out and I, I found help. And I'm thankful for Christopher Drysbach and uh, Blueprints, which is a rehab that I came to. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for my for my my um, my therapist. I still talk to somebody now. Um, just letting it out. There's a lot of things that I don't realize until I say it out loud. And I think that's what, like the whole magic of therapy is. Because to be fair, my therapist doesn't really say much. He, he'll just like ask questions, and then I say it out loud, and that helps. Because I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so I still, yeah, I still see a therapist. Um, that helps to kind of talk about how I feel, which I'm still eh about yeah, it. Yeah. I don't do the emotion thing too much, too well. Um, I, I and this is this is legit true, right? Because I've been very open about this. One of the first things that I told my my first therapist in rehab was. Because she, I don't know how the conversation happened. She goes, like, when was the last time you cried? I was like, mm, I don't know. Um, and I don't remember. Um, but I told her that but <laughs> my ultimate goal is to one day just let it out. I just mm. one day, we'll just, just let go. I just want to let go. Because um, whatever's still in there is still holding on to that son of a bitch. Um, and then anytime that I've come close to that point where I feel like teary-eyed, my brain kicks in and he goes, like, stop it. Um, cause you're going to look weak. So that's still in there. Right. Um, and I don't necessarily see it as a sign of weakness per se, but I do wish I knew how to manage it better. And that's what the whole process of therapy is, right. To try and control your, your emotions and control, not control your emotions, but like how to manage it. Um, so that you're not, yeah. So that you're not all over the place and too emotional or, or too numb because that's also what I what it ended up being. Um, when I left WWE, all my friends disappeared. Um, as the money, as the piggy bank was running low, all my friends disappeared. Um, so I went from being the "I love you" guy to the "I hate everybody" guy. Uh, so I went from one side of the spectrum to the other side, and I I became numb. Uh, I had no emotions. I nobody. I didn't care about anybody. If I hurt somebody, I didn't give no shits about it um because i didn't care because i became so numb um in my head everybody was turning against me so then if nobody cares about me then i don't care about them so i just became numb and i didn't care how i treated people i didn't care um uh people that were trying to help me out i would just push them away 
but yeah, so uh, I've been very open about that, and now thankfully we're able to to do this side project um, called Night of Recovery, where myself, uh, my partner Christopher Dreisbach, uh, their friends, you know, we've had Fandango, we've had uh, Dirty, uh, Dirty, uh, Shannon Moore, uh, X Pac, uh, not Chris Harris from Impact, where we go around and we basically tell people our stories, uh, and we kind of give little signs of hope that it is possible to get better it is possible to recover to uh come back to society and then be actual productive members of of that community um because during my during my time during all my bs a lot of people gave up on me rightfully so uh, i don't blame uh but a lot of people gave up on me and i remember every single time that somebody would just shut me out and when i when i asked for help and how low I felt. Um, and I don't want to be that person for other people too. I, 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 and then the kids will tell me, it will tell you too. I, I'm not a fan of the idea of giving up on somebody because I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to give that same feeling to other people when the coach or somebody gives up on you because it sucks. Um, we'll try, but obviously, yeah. Man, that's big. I mean, to, to see, um, to hear your story and to hear like the growth of you as a person, it sounds like you've grown a great deal as a person and that, you know, you're learning to manage a lot and it's just, it's great to have someone like you teaching that next generation of pro wrestlers, somebody that won't give up, somebody that has gone through everything has been to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And you can literally identify with, with a lot of the situations that your students are going to come to you with and you can teach them ways to avoid those pitfalls. And then when they, you know, if they do end up there, how to recover from? I, I just think it's it's awesome, man. You're you're just doing a great job. There, and, and I understand sometimes you know life happens, right? Life yeah. happens. Personal issues happen. Um, so that's one thing I told them when they when they sign up here. I understand life happens. All you need to do is just communicate with me because uh, I don't read your I can't read your mind. Uh, so if something's going on in in real life and it's affecting here, talk to me. If you need to take like a week or whatever days off, that's fine. Just let me know because if you don't show up, then I'm gonna be like, "Hey, where the, where the hell are you?" Mm. And then if you bite back on me or, or bark back at me, then I'm a fucking, you know, <laughs> yo, what's up? Um, but all we have to do is just communicate. Uh, life happens, and I can almost guarantee you, there's gonna be very little that you're ever gonna tell me that I have not experienced myself or I have not been around. Mm. So if you think that I won't understand, um, I'm pretty sure I may have experienced something similar to it. So I have to just communicate. And if I haven't, it'll be a first. Um, but just yeah, you, you, you mentioned it previously. We're, we're kind of before the time where mental health was important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, I've been in a situation where like, I felt like I needed to cry, but I it did nothing would come out as well. It just like, yeah. it just stops. So, so I go, I completely understand how you feel with that. Cause I, I have been there. Yeah, because I just saw my my first therapist not too long ago, and I uh, she she asked me if I cried. I was like, no. Nah. Like, what's holding you? I was like, I don't know, me. Uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm one day. There's a scene if you've ever seen V for Vendetta. There's a scene where Evie is held by V uh, in the little jail cell, and then he lets her out, and then he he basically tells her the whole thing was was fake. It wasn't real. She wasn't incarcerated. He was just kind of holding her. So she has to learn how to surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she realizes all that stuff, she shaves her head and all that other stuff. Right. Um, 
there's a point where like rain starts like falling on her and she just like lets it all hit and she just like falls like crazy because she surrendered um uh, and i kind of want to experience something similar to that point where she just like let's go uh working on it working on it but one day but it hasn't happened yet but it's ditto <laughs> So as someone who's been there, as someone who is, you know, training, uh, who's training his own generation and, you know, he's got his own promotion. What are some of the who are some of the folks that you watch now that are mainstream that you enjoy watching? Or first off, do you watch like the mainstream wrestling now? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I have friends on both uh, on multiple of the companies. I mean, both on Impact. Uh, obviously, I work for MLW. Right. Uh, um, MLW, uh, WWE, AEW. Have friends that are on all of them. So um, I watch closely a lot of the stuff that they're doing. Like I love Rhea. Uh, she's awesome. I'm happy for her. Um, uh, WWE, like people that I, I I watch now a lot. Miz. Mm. Uh, I think we all took Miss for granted. Um, yeah. Uh, Chad Gable is awesome. Gunther is awesome. Uh, I, I, I'm happy that that Randy's back. Um, the the the, the storyline with the bloodline to me was like one of the best stories that they've had for years. Agreed. Um, but obviously, I'm going to be biased to a certain style because that's what I was growing up on or, or came up on, on and learning firsthand was the WWE style. Mm. Um, so I'll be biased. I, I like the storytelling aspect. I like you know that engagement with the audience. Uh, the moves are great, um, but they're just moves unless you give them life. And then that's where the the in betweens come in. The storyline comes in because then that'll uh, amplify the significance of that move. Um, so yeah, I mean yeah, I, I watch I watch as much as I can. I mean. I, and if you see my schedule, man, my schedule all over the place. Yeah. I don't get a chance to watch a lot of it. It's mostly just Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, clips Facebook. and everything. Yeah, that, yeah, it kind of keeps me updated. And on the rare occasion that I'm not doing anything on a on a pay per view night, and I'll watch whatever is on. That's also a rare occasion. At the end of the day, what would you want your legacy to be? What would you want to be remembered for? Um, have you guys seen the the cartoon uh, Hercules, the Disney one? Yeah. So you know how uh, Dan DeVito's character Phil, when he's training, when he's training um, uh, Hercules, and then he's like, one day I just want to look up at the stars, or I want them to look at Hercules and be like, that's Phil's boy. Mm. Uh, some, some to that point, but also too to be able to provide a platform for other people to use. Um, when 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 people used to say like they're riding the coattails, yeah, yeah, use them, use that, use that that platform. Uh, take advantage of it. That's what this is for. Um, I want to be able to provide a place for people to be able to come in and then work their magic and then do their thing, uh, and hopefully with the with the goal of elevating them to something bigger. Uh, I told the, the kids here, I want them to get to a point where they get out of here. I don't. I, and then the next time that they come back, you know, they just came from a tour in Europe or Asia or whatever. Um, when they're able to come back, and then the kids here now, or well, the kids that will be here. Are gonna look at them and like, oh man, they came out of three legacies. That's awesome. I want to see them on TV. Uh, I want to provide for something. I want them to learn all because I got to learn a lot, man. Like the, the encyclopedia that I have in my back pocket mm. of, of stuff that I learned along the way. If I'm able to pass that on, I'm happy. Um, I understand too that as I get older, my time in the ring is slowing down, and I get that. Um, and I'm and I, right understanding my position, understanding my role. 
Um, I know my time in the ring is not going to be there for much longer. So why not get myself involved in other aspects and still be around it? So it'll be a commentary, uh, a training, promoting. Um, yeah, so give, I'm still giving back. I'm still involved. And I'm able to hopefully pass on knowledge to the next generation. Mm. And this is what we're doing. We're building the legacy. Program. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I got to give me one now. I get, You guys got to build your legacy. Hope, man. Hope you got a hooker, brother. I, I got you. I'll, I'll hook you up. I'll hook you. Uh, you, I mean, you, you have three legacies wrestling. Obviously, Hope mentioned that you guys are selling out, and now you're on to bigger uh, venues. Where would you like to see three legacies go? Oh, I mean, uh, there's... Uh, in short, uh, international TV. In a short answer, um, but I mean, if I aim too high and then not know how to get to that point by setting myself checkpoints, then it's gonna be tough. And I'm again setting myself up for failure. Mm. So I have to build checkpoints. I want to get to the point where ultimately we are gonna be like the main company in Pennsylvania mm. if that happens, right? Or in the, in the in the county, right? So we start with the city or something small, then the county, and then the state, and then eventually, hopefully start traveling mm. but that's down the road um that's 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 the goal that's the dream right that's the dream uh, but unless we put work into it it'll stay a dream i feel like you're already making a nice dent um as as far as it i i've been here a while so around here it hasn't really been a lot of uh wrestling promotions that are really like like top i feel like your quality is top notch it as far as what you put on in the ring and it just everything you, you do. So in the area, it hasn't really been anything like that before. So when you came around and I discovered you, it's like it it blew me away, just the environment, the vibe. And, and, and I appreciate it, man. Honestly, and, then, and I, I can't stress this enough. It's not a single person that ever does this. It's a whole team, right? It's a whole team. Um, the students are super crucial too. Uh for the setup, the takedown, uh, they're super important for that. Um, and obviously, too, they, they're they a part of the show. Um, so they're super important for it. The, like I said, on the back end, you know, Chris, Bobby, Andy, Keith, uh, uh, Harley. If it wasn't for them, man, a lot of this stuff wouldn't be happening. So it's not a single person. And also, it helps a lot, too, that I think we built some awesome relationships with people around the community, too. Um, so their help, their support helps is a big part of it between the sponsors or even just the wrestlers around the area that they see what we're doing. And and there's no empty promises. I mean, it, we're flat out open about, hey, this is what we have going on. If you want to take it cool, if not, it's totally cool. There's no hard feelings. Um, so and again, it goes back into communication. Um, I'm learning as I go along the way, too. I have an idea of where I want to take this, um, but we roll with the punches. It doesn't always happen according according to plan. Um, so cars subject to change, um, but I'm, I'm happy for with what we're doing. I'm happy with the team that I have. I'm happy with the group that I have. Um, my circle may be small, but it's a tight one, and I'm happy about it. Sometimes it's best to have a small circle with uh, quality people rather than a big circle. Facts, right? Yeah. So if I'm uh, if I'm interested in becoming a professional wrestler, I have no prior experience. How do I get in touch with Three Legacies Wrestling? Uh, so if you want to, so actually, so we do uh, training every, well, new classes every six months. Uh, the new class is actually going to start in March. Uh, what we do um, is that we have a tryout a month prior, and this is for potential trainees 
and want to sign up, it's a $75 two-hour trading class where we're basically a crash course. Um, and you get an idea of what we're about, what the training will be, the warm-ups. Uh, you'll get an idea of the bump. You'll get to feel the ring. Um, understanding that this may not be for everybody on a physical standpoint, and that's fine. But at least you'll get an, an idea of what you're getting into. Uh, so that you don't sign up to a place and then you pay or whatever. And then after a week, you're done because you didn't think you wanted to come in doing Swanton Bombs and RKOs, but it never works that way. Right. So if you want to start uh, your wrestling journey with Three Legacies Wrestling, we will be having an open training, uh, uh, an open train tryout uh, sometime in the first week or two of February. It's a $75 fee. And if you decide to sign up, that fee goes into your tuition, um, which will we will start the new class in March. Um, so just you can email us uh, at the number three legacies wrestling dot. Oh, I'm sorry, at Gmail, um, or you can go to the three legacies wrestling uh, Facebook page and shoot us a message there, and we can talk to you from there and kind of direct it. Uh, these are limited spots because obviously we want to make sure that everybody gets a fair opportunity in the ring. Uh, we don't want to pack it up too much to the point where you won't have uh, time. So, uh, yeah, so that'll be the first week or two. I haven't set a day yet of February that we'll be having the tryout. And then the new classes will begin the first week of March. Nice, nice, nice. And and if, when is your next show? Like, because not everybody is going to be around. I'm not, I want to be a part of, I want to check out Three Legacies, but in ring, that's this just not going to happen for me. I think I'm past the window. So. <laughs> well, I'm super excited that starting January 20th, as we roll into 2024, we'll make our debut at Middlesbrough University, mm. uh, which is just located here in, in just outside of Lancaster County, uh, city, excuse me. Uh, so January 20th, Middlesbrough University will be presenting Icebreaker um stay tuned to our facebook because there's gonna be a cool little video that's gonna be popping up of what we got coming up um tickets are on sale at threelegacieswrestling.com um and then on august 3rd we will be going back to the clever magazine stadium for the red rose rumble 2 and on march 30th we will be at the lancaster county convention center um which that's gonna be our secondary big event of the year Check us out on Facebook, Three Legacies Wrestling. Uh, brother, I am just, I'm very grateful that you were here, man. Um, this has been an awesome, awesome session. Learned a lot from you, and uh, and I'm really wishing you nothing but the best with Three Legacies, with your own personal journey. And just, I can tell from your students that everything that you said today is like really resonating with them because they all have that same uh, drive and passion and, you know, just the goodwill and everything. I, I just, I appreciate you being here and all of the best to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. And don't be a stranger. Like you got to pop up again. Now you got to, we got to have you in. You're part of the family now. Yeah. Hey, wait, <laughs> anytime you want to be on. Just, yeah. Absolutely. Right, Let us know. All right. Thanks guys. Feedback on the show? Email us at rawimpactradio at gmail.com. Raw Impact Radio with Sir Blackston and the Mast Hope. Raw Impact Radio, I am Sir Blackston. He is the Mast Hope, and we just talked to Ricardo Rodriguez. Uh, just an awesome, awesome uh, dude, awesome interview. Got some great things going on at Three Legacies Wrestling, man. It, it, you know, we always say this is a great time to be a wrestling fan. This is also a great time to expand who you are as a wrestling fan and go check out some indie wrestling. There's some great wrestling on the indies. He's got a couple shows coming up. 
definitely check them out. The stadium shows are fire. I mean, you you told me this, Hope. Oh yeah, they're they're great. They're they're uh main event level. You know, like like uh, what, what I'm trying to say, main roster, like superstar level. You know, these guys are, are doing big things, and hey, you, you won't be disappointed checking out a three legacy show. Awesome, awesome, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get out there, dude. I like to stay in my little my little close to me like two mile bubble or whatever but i'm gonna have to get out there i'm gonna have to go check right. out a three legacy show dude you, you need at least 80 miles you know step that mile. <laughs> so did you have anything that you needed to say sir just that uh we had a great interview with ricardo and um just follow me on my social media on the mass soap uh facebook um youtube and tiktok for your daily wrestling news all right and i am sir blackston no i don't have a belt but I am still recognized as the Raw Impact Radio World Heavyweight Champion. So, um, yeah, if you want to go ahead and follow the champ, you know what I mean? There are worse people in the world you can follow, first off, okay? You can go ahead and follow the champ at Sir Blackston. And, of course, you can follow the podcast at RIR Podcast. And we are out. Peace. Happy New Year, peace. Thanks for checking out Raw Impact Radio. Follow us on social media at Raw Impact Radio. Available wherever you listen to podcasts.